0: Hi, how you doing folks? It's James. Welcome to Gospel of Kennison, my personal audio journal. This is episode 76, brought to you the week of August 20th, 2018. Um, I'm going to start by reading a couple of uh, emails that I got, um, one of which sparked the, the recent series of episodes that I did with my daughter and son and my wife on the effects of pod, uh, podcasting <laughs> on, the, on the effects of, uh, dis, uh, discipline. Let's, let's try that one more time on the effects of depression on my family. Um, I hope those were entertaining and insightful. Uh, but I don't think I actually ever answered the guys, uh, questions. So We're going to do that right now. This is from Jay, not my son, just another guy named Jay. All right. So this topic suggestion comes from a personal place in my world. I was thinking maybe an episode on depression advice, specifically advice for those who think they might have depression, but fear that diagnosis. I am in that place right now and it scares me to death. My father was diagnosed late in life and I fear I might be as well. Before he was diagnosed, my father was an abusive man hiding behind the veil of a pastor, and I fear the idea of being a father for that. I have reached a place where it feels like everything in my life is going wrong and there is no upside. I fear what changes will happen in my life uh, and circumstances that could change in my currently failing career, my somewhat weak marriage, and just life in general. The whole situation feels like I'm being judged from every angle. And unless I keep it together, everything I've worked to build in my life will be taken away. Before I digress too much to bring it back to my original point, an idea for an episode would be what advice do you have for those who think they might have depression but think they need to hide it? Well, when you have depression, that's exactly what you try to do. Especially when you have, you know, a life and um, you have a family. And, um, you're trying to keep everything going That's exactly what you do. It's exactly what I did. Um, let's, let's read the second one before I get too deep into everything. Hi, James. I'm an avid lizard, lizard. I'm an avid listener of NL cast shows. And I'm very thankful for, uh, that you brought back that story show. I find myself quoting from the show often much to others annoyance. The podcast really helps lighten up my day. Thank you. I also enjoy listening to the gospel of Kennison and really like how honest you are on the podcast. <clears throat> I really like how open you are about your depression and anxiety and also have struggled and still do with depression and anxiety. Some days are easy while others not so much. <clears throat> Although I did not have to quit my job eight years ago, I did have to drop out of graduate school. The weight that my mental illness was putting on me made it too difficult to finish. My depression and anxiety also affected other areas of my life, including my walk with God. I have never given up on the faith, but sometimes Christianity has become very difficult. I had, a major, I, mean, I had major doubts about God's love for me and whether or not I was measuring up to His standards. I do know deep in my heart that His grace and love are still with me. However, it's just hard to believe. Although I wish nobody would have to face the ugliness of depression and anxiety, your experiences have helped me to realize that, that there are others who know what I'm going through. Your stories have given me hope, and I will continue to listen and enjoy your podcast. I hope that every day you will become able to see a glimmer of hope. Thanks for your podcast, See. All right, so as you can see, both of these have a topic. One of them is the fear of oncoming depression and um, just facing the realities of what is probably coming his way. Um, Second is a... Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of good news and 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 Alec 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 a- accolades. There we go. I was going to say Alecoids, but that didn't sound right. Um, a lot of uh, accolades, but also um, just that uh, the the Christianity and the faith issue that that happened. So I'm going to try to address all of that um, <clears throat> in my my unique random way that I do on this show. All right. First of all, Jay, uh, first email, my heart goes out to you, bro. If you are coming down with depression, I, I do have good and bad news for you. The good news. Let's start with that. The good news is that everything changes, meaning nothing will stay the same. Meaning it's always been this way in your life. It's always been change. There's always been stuff going up and down and up and down if depression is coming your way a lot of things in your heart and in your life and in your mind are gonna go down okay but they will change see it sounds like a negative but it's a positive the one thing that depression tells you that's the biggest lie of all is that nothing will ever get better and nothing will ever change and that this will be the way it will be forever So if you're going into this and you feel it starting to come on, you need to go ahead and and just believe that on your worst day, believe it on your, on, on the day you don't believe it still live by it as if it's as required of you as air is in your lungs. If that makes sense. So the good news, like I said, is things will change and depression does ease up if it if you go like i did and like most typical people do it does come late in life it hits right there between 35 and 45 it it'll peak and it'll get the worst that it's ever been it will possibly be completely disabling it may cost you a lot of things but it will fade away and it will change and i am living proof that there is life on the other side of depression My doctor sold me something very key, and I will share it every time I get a chance to. He said, James, everybody gets better. Everybody gets better. And I'm like, what? That changed my entire outlook. I thought that this was going to be me forever. He says, no, everybody gets better. But I'm thinking, well, no, some people surely stay crazy. They just stay crazy all the time. He says, no, everybody gets better. The only people that don't are the suicides. So do me a favor, Jay. Hang in there. Stay alive. Outlive this. See, that's that's a piece of advice God gave me <laughs> a long time ago. So long ago before all of this happened that I didn't even truly know what he was talking about. Some crap was going on at one of my jobs and I thought it was rough and I thought I had it rough and I'd pray And I started feeling the doom coming, like you described in the email. And I felt that everything was failing. Everything was going wrong. And I heard God in my prayer time, in my head, you know, with my own thoughts, make some sense. And that's when I knew that God was speaking. And he just said, outlive this. And I thought it was unique. He didn't say, survive this. Because you can survive a lot. And when you survive, you can barely be alive. You can just be holding on to your last breath and uh, still be counted as a survivor. God didn't want me. And maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it's fun. So I'm going to do it anyway. And it got me through. Is uh, <clears throat> God said, outlive this. Outlive it. Me meant to me. Don't just survive. Be alive after this thing is dead. So, there will be a point in your life when you are still around and it is not. I forgot about that in the darkest parts. I didn't think it applied to that part of my life. But looking back in hindsight, being 2020, I can tell you the same thing that God told me that you need to outlive this. There will be a day and a moment, no matter how bad it gets. There will be a time where you will smile again. There will be a time where you're laughing and enjoying life again. There will be a moment when the pain and the, and the, the anguish and, the, and and all the horrible self-loathing thoughts are gone and you are still there if you just stay alive. The trick, one of the tricks to surviving is simply deciding right now, no matter how bad it gets, I'm going to suffer through it also when it comes down to it, if you're a religious person and I, and I hope that you will be, or, or can at least look into it before the worst comes. it, It is very, very, very difficult. If not impossible to maintain any kind of interactive relationship with God, when you are severely depressed, some people will argue with me about that, but you weren't, you weren't me and maybe you're great and I'm not, um, But I have a feeling these folks that are emailing me are kind of on my level. And what I found about the God thing is that God was totally fine with me not being able to keep up my end of the bargain for a while. Now, when I say that, I don't mean I was out drinking and smoking and cussing and all this bad stuff. I I didn't turn my back on God. What I did, though, is I took a seat and he took a seat somewhere nearby And we just existed in the same space. I didn't pursue him. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray every day. I didn't do these things because my soul was so empty and my heart, my head, my mind. Everything was so painful. I couldn't think. You have to imagine it'd be like somebody in a coma and expecting them to maintain their Christianity and their relationship with God. What I found in my situation and what I hope brings you hope. Um, um, both you and C from second uh, email is that when you find that you can't continue to maintain the relationship, when you see yourself slipping your hand, letting go of his, you will find the most amazing thing ever that even though you let go, he does not. He will not let go. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never forget about you. Nothing can separate you from his love. Not anything on the earth, under the earth, in the earth, above the earth. Not angels or demons or depression or anxiety. Nothing can separate you from his love. Not even time off. (laughs) God loves the worst people on the planet. Of course he's going to continue to love and wait for you while you go through the worst period of your life. Another bit of advice I would give you is to get help and education, Uh, whether that's online through videos and articles, educate yourself. I cannot uh, reiterate that enough. Educate yourself. The more you know, And it may seem overwhelming and you may not know where to go. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, depression's getting popular. And so there's lots of people trying to make money off people with depression. So don't, don't, um, don't jump on a lot of bandwagons and get a lot of books and stuff. Just read about people's stories, read about what depression is, the definition of it, what the symptoms are. Um, find out, uh, you know, what it does for men or for women. If you're a lady, uh, Find out what the typical diagnoses are and, and and figure out these things. Also, go to your doctor. Do not try to handle this alone. I'm telling you, do not try to handle this alone. Uh, you may or may not need medication. But if you do, you need to freaking take it. And you need to be faithful and religious about it. Don't be self-medicating or laying things off because you don't like the way they make you feel. Tell your doctor. Communicate. Talk with them. See them regularly. There is going to be a ton of shame involved. I hated going to the doctor. I felt like such a loser because I didn't want to be like my dad before me. I didn't want to be uh, uh, bipolar. I didn't want to have depression. I didn't want to have anxiety. I didn't want to walk around with a, 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 a like I had an excuse for not living my life properly. I hated all of that. And part of me going was was to li- not lay down my pride, but to go on and go through it because i didn't have any other options i didn't want to lose my job i didn't want to lose my family i needed to prove to everyone around me that i was willing to do whatever it took to get better and at a point going to the doctor and and then later going to a psychiatrist and sitting in that lobby and waiting for them to call my name with my eyes shut and tears running down my face because i felt like an insane person um those Things are the things that you, you need to be prepared to do to get better here. here. So, so, um, there, there are different kinds of depression. You sound like my kind. Um, and it is mine. I have a patent on it. Uh, but, but it's a uh, chemical imbalance in the brain. It's usually genetic and, um, it's, it's when your body doesn't produce Uh, the right chemicals and and it's in case you are, you becoming capable of being able to experience any kind of pleasure. And it's horrible because all that's left is, is depression and sadness and despair and doom and, and uh, horrible thoughts and feelings and things like that. Um, But if you educate yourself and you know what's coming in advance, it, it somehow helps when you realize you're just textbook that, that what happened to you and what happens, what is happening to you, and though it's so fresh and so new and unique and scary and weird and, and seems endless, when you read about it and find out, no, this is what happens to everybody, speaking of which, it's time to take my crazy pills. I have to do it after the show. <clears throat> when you find out that this is what happens to everybody, you're like, oh, okay, all right, so if I'm typical here and I'm typical here, then I'm going to be typical in the time that it lets me go. And I'm going to tell you, in my case, I was, I was typical. It, it peaked at the right time. It went away at the right time. And now I seem to be doing okay. I'm not great. I still struggle. I still have my good and bad days, especially with anxiety. But man, oh, far and away so much better than I was before. So educate yourself. Be prepared to do what you've never done before because you're going to be in survival mode, my friend. Survival mode means you're going to do whatever you have to do to survive. People do crazy things when they're in survival situations. Women will will do things and sell their bodies to feed their children. Men will cross a river into America to get work to feed their kids. Um, People will eat each other in the mountaintops. If they can't get food. Um, I I I hope you don't have to do any of those things in your depression journey. I I avoided most of those things. Um, I did eat a guy. Or actually it was a kid, so it wasn't that big a deal. Small human. Um, but no, surviving means that you have to have that desire to outlive it, to be o- alive when it is no longer. Um <clears throat> That means you need to educate your spouse. If you have a marriage that's struggling, my God, um, this thing will either devastate it and just throw it away, or it could be the thing that brings you two together, not like never before. When you are depressed, your default thing is: I am toxic. I am not good for anyone, and I need to get better all on my own without putting any pressure on anyone around me. And then I will get better and everything will be fine. And that is part of the sickness. It is not. It sounds great to pull yourself by your bootstraps. But what you end up doing is alienating the people that are trying to help you. You end up uh, isolating yourself. And loneliness is the biggest, best friend of depression that I have ever seen. You need to be open. You need to communicate. You need to tell people what's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, just tell them you don't know what's going on. And when they try to help you and it feels like a pain, a painful experience, because sometimes what people try to do to help you is going to be painful, if they love you, tell them how to love you. Tell them what you need from them. And let them tell you. They're going to try to fix you. They're going to try to diagnose you. They're going to try to give you advice. Some of it is great. Some of it is painful. Some of it is like a Job's comforter. Um, It's like a salad bar. You take the good stuff. You take the stuff you like. You take the stuff that you don't like, but you need to take it anyway. And then you leave the crap. Don't get hung up on it. You and your wife need to get together. And you need to educate yourselves. And you need to stand together and be ready for this. If it's coming, be open and honest. Do not hide this from her. Prepare people around you that love you. Uh, and, and, and even in the work environment, when I started feeling myself coming down, I met with my pastor. I told him, I said, look, I can't do this anymore. I need some time to to recoup. I need a break. Um, I, I need to go to part time in the office. I'll still do services, but I can't come. He He let me do that. We thought it was work-related, though, so we moved to Florida. Three different times I met with my pastor because I thought it was work-related. So when the doom and the gloom and the stuff started coming down, I met with him. I had my resignation in hand, ready to go. And I said, Pastor, I wasn't trying to trick you. I didn't tell you about this because I didn't know it was a real legit thing. But I have depression, and I'm seeing a doctor. I take medicine, and if that's a problem, here. Here's my resignation. I met with him a second time with that same resignation saying, okay, now it's getting really bad and I'm seeing a psychiatrist and, and, and it's just stepping up and it's, it's worse. And, and, um, I don't know how much longer I can do the job. And, and then the third time when I came to him and said, I need to be able to go part-time, I can't do this full-time. Um, and the board decided that that wasn't going to work for them. I had that resignation in hand and, 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 that's, that's, that's just, uh, that, that means you and your spouse and your employer and everyone around you need to know what's going on in your world. Do not do what I did. Do not hide. Do not become a, a, a not a hobbit. What do you call it? A hermit and burrow yourself in. That's what men do. We go inside our cave inside of ourselves and we figure out how to fix it and then when we can't fix it then and only then will we come out and ask for help that's why men don't stop for directions that's why men get mad when women try to help them carry things when they're going up the steps it's like i can do it because it's a sign of weakness to need help before you've given everything you have to try to fix it that is depression's best friend don't be that be needy be asking people for help not in a butt way not in a mean way, not in a you owe me this way, not in an abusive way, not in a a woe is me kind of way, but in a way that says I want to get better and I don't want to feel like this and I don't want to put you through hell while I'm going through it as well. I didn't do that. I did not do that. I hid inside. I thought I would be better off leaving my wife and kids out of it as much as possible. But all that meant was that my wife experienced all the negatives. and She never got to get any of the positives. We never connected. We never stayed uh, in tune with each other. It took quite a while for the communication lines to open, only after the worst was over and the damage was already done. We still go to counseling and we still go on walks and we still sit and talk to each other for hours and hours, making up for lost time Repairing the damage that was done to our relationship. Don't do what I did. Learn from my mistakes. Engage your family. Engage. Tell your children what's going on. They may not understand if they're 10 if 12 or whatever at the level that they can understand as much as they can handle it. You can use the word sad. You can use the word, you know, all this kind of thing. And then when you can't do things with them, at least they'll know it's because if you leave a blank space in their mind. If you leave a blank space, why isn't daddy going to my first day of school? Why isn't daddy going with us to church today? Why isn't why is he in the room by himself in there? Whatever the blank space is after that question mark, they're going to fill it in with something negative. Nobody ever fills it in with something positive. Oh, dad's not at church because he's he's got so much of God that he's just saving it up. No, it's always Oh, dad doesn't love me or he doesn't want to be around me or he doesn't think this is important or whatever. So please don't do what I did. Don't leave your family out. Let them suffer with you. I know that sounds selfish. Um, to, to, um, it sounds selfless to keep the pain for yourself. That's what I thought I was doing. But if you, if I had shared it, if I told them what I was going through, they could have been praying with me. They could have been feeling for me and, and, The depression tells you that you are the worst thing for your family ever. Depression tells you that your family would be better off without you. Depression tells you, oh, great. You're going to pass this on to your kids and then they'll be in worse shape than you are. Great. Awesome. Depression will tell you that you need to be destroyed, that this is the way it's going to be forever. Depression lies. Depression lies and depression lies to people that love you as well. They, it, it tells them that you're never going to be okay. Again, it tells them that you don't love them. It tells them all these different things through your body language and your actions, because depression on the outside just looks like you're giving up on life and you're not trying. So you have to tell them what is going on inside when you're crying and screaming, clawing your way to the bathroom, just to take a shower, just because every single thing you do seems so painful. You need to tell them why you're crying. Um, My wife mentions a time where she had bought me an R2D2 Lego set for my birthday. And she says she saw me crying while I put it together. And I remember that. I remember that because I was struggling and feeling sad, completely disconnected from what was going on. I was unable to feel the joy of it and it bugged me and it hurt and I cried about it while I was doing it. She apparently saw that. I never communicated with her. I never told her what was going on. And still to this day, that's something that she brought up recently and we were able to discuss. And she understands now, but then she didn't. So please, 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 especially if your marriage is is struggling, be there. This can be the thing. Share the pain because shared pain is shared experience. And there is nothing like a shared experience to bring people together. You know, if you want a group group, of people that are nothing alike to be able to get along, find something that all of them have in common. If it's fishing, if it's podcasting, if it's quilting, you will get people that ordinarily would never hang out together, uh, united and, and almost a family-type atmosphere around a shared experience. And that's why you need to share what's going on in your life. Fear is a natural thing. Fear is going to happen. I was afraid. I was scared to death, and I fought things so hard because I didn't want them to come true, but I saw it, and that's what I see in your email too, Jay. You see these things coming already. You know what's coming, and you want to fight against it. The important thing, see, I don't know. I don't know how to do that part different because if it's coming, it's coming. If the downsides come in, it's coming and it's going to suck and it's going to be so dark and so painful and you're not going to want to be alive anymore or at minimum, you'll wish you'd never been born. I don't know if everybody has it as bad as I did. I'm sure there's people that had it worse. I kind of always imagine the ones that don't make it are the ones that had it worse than me. But it's gonna take everything great in your life and it's gonna turn it against you. It's gonna make your marriage seem like the worst idea in the world. It's gonna make any kind of love you get from your kids seem like a burden. It's gonna make your hobby spit in your face. It's gonna turn your life completely upside down. It's gonna erase any feelings of of uh, closeness with God that you might have. But if you get help and educate yourself and surround yourself with a support group of people that love you and will accept you and knew you before the darkness came that knew you before your personality changed and believe in you no matter what, and accept you no matter what that is going to get you through. And that is going to give you hope. And it's going to get you through quicker and sooner. And if you can hold on to that job, hold on to as much as you can because anything that makes you feel anything less than dirt, is something you have to cling to and hold on to because those are the things that will keep you alive. Don't listen to your mind. Don't listen to your brain. Even now, I can hear it in your email, the fear of what could be and will be or may not be. One of the things that depression does is it tells you the truth. It'll tell you the truth. Your email is full of truths. All these things possibly could happen, but it's telling you the truth, and then it's adding this doom and this gloom and this, um, absolute, well, the word doom is, is the, I mean, doom itself means you will die. You're, this is going to kill you. That's what depression brings to every bit of truth in your life. And that's what makes it the perfect disease is it takes what's unique about you and special about you and about your life and family, and it twists it and adds that doom to it. But you just have to realize your brain is lying to you. It is a lie. And even the things that are true are still a lie because of the crap that depression puts on top of it. I'll give you a perfect example. In my worst days, I was sitting there thinking about my kids and how how awesome they were and how great they were. And depression comes in and says, Oh, yeah, that's going to be great for them until they grow up without you as their children's pastor. Yeah. It's going to be great for them when they grow up without you as a children's pastor. And then, then after that, they get depression too. And oh my gosh, depression found, found the weakest link, man. They, he found the way to get in there and it felt horrible because the doom and, and the feeling of death and the feeling of, of, uh, just self-loathing that, that I would accidentally even just pass this on to my kids. A thing I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy I'm gifting to my children through my genes. It's, 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 it's sickening in its perfection, the way depression manipulates your mind. But after now I see the truth that it told me and I see the crap that was on top and that crap is now removed and I can see the same things are, are true. They were true. My kids did not experience me as their kids, pastor the one thing I wanted so bad, but you know what they got instead? Holy crap. They got me to raise them at home. I got to be with them. I got to change the course of their life and be a part of them. They, they make jokes and they, 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 um, carry themselves differently than they would have. Their personalities have been shaped and molded by my influence as scary as that sounds. I got to be with, I got to be better than their kid's pastor. I got to be their father. Depression ain't going to tell you that part of the truth. The other part, you know, there is a, there is a reality that, that my kids may struggle. My folks did. Um, It's typically if your mom does, my mother, my, my wife doesn't. um, And I do. So they've got less of a chance, but it could still happen. And that was the truth that, that, that depression told me. And, um, but the thing is now that I'm doing better and the depression has lifted so much, I can look and say, you know what, that, that could happen, but it's not going to be the end of the world. You know why? Because they will have me, they will have me. I can be there for them and and educate them and understand them, help them feel normal to help them to get through it. I will be the one parent out of a million that knows what to say and what not to say. Oh, how blessed are they going to be if that happens to them, to have that. See, depression lies like the devil lies. It takes the truth and it wraps the lie around it. Satan quoted scripture to Jesus and then wrapped it with lies. That way it sounds true. That's how you can be a good liar. Depression is the perfect liar. So don't believe it even when it tells you the truth. Because it's not telling you the whole truth. And the whole truth is no truth at all. As far as judgment goes, you you mentioned that you feel like you're being judged from every angle. And that is a reality. Because people don't understand depression and how it works. Wives don't understand until they're given education. And that's why I encourage you to share your experiences and to share in your healing. Uh, when you go to the doctor, take her with you once or twice, let her ask questions. Let her see, uh, that, that there's a smart man with a doctorate up on his wall. That is saying the same things you're saying, except he's saying them impartially. She'll believe what you're going through is real. The worst judgment of all, of course, is the judgment that you'll have on yourself. Because you'll say, I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be like so-and-so. In your case, you said your father. Well, don't be. Don't be. In my life, that meant staying alive and staying with my family. My father did not do those two things. He left his family and he allowed depression to take his life. I had those two minimum requirements that I would not go past. And that's what I'm saying that, that I think might work for you is if you made more of those gut level bottom, you know, go all, go all the way down to the bottom of the pit. You're about to go down and, and, and put a hook in the wall, a handhold. That is, I'm not killing myself. I'm not going to be like my father. I'm not going to be a bad dad and hang those things up down there. Come back up and on the way down when you fall and slip, maybe you'll never make it that low. But if you do grab that joker and hold on and never let yourself go lower than that. Suffer. Suffer. Don't just survive. Outlive it. Speaking of God, one of the hardest things that I had to do, and, and speaking of judgments and all that kind of stuff, like I said, you're, you're, you're your own worst judge, is I had to come face to face with the reality that it, it was a big deal to me, but I realize now it wasn't a big deal compared to people that have lost multiple children or, or a husband or a wife or who have battled with long-term illness or lost someone to to one Um, these people who have suffered, these people that have been through atrocities and losses, they look at what I surely would look at what I've struggled with and what I'm about to express. And they would, they would say, you don't even know what you're talking about. That's nothing compared to what I've been through. So, so I say all this with that in mind, but depression is the worst thing that I had ever been through. So, you know, pain is not judged by how good of a story it makes but by how it affected the person that went through it. And if that is the case, then we are all equal in our suffering. And in my case, um, my suffering was the worst thing I'd ever gone through. And I came face to face with this reality that surely all these other folks have come to as well. And that is how do I serve a God that would allow me to feel this way? And you read, you read um, my, my favorite uh, Bible story, uh, came to haunt me in the worst of my depression. The, uh, three Hebrew boys that wouldn't bow to the idol. They were asked to do so. They said, no, they were asked again. They said, no, they were, they were bound up and, and, and threatened to be thrown in the fiery furnace that, which was to be heated seven times hotter than normal. And they said this to the King. They said, you know, We know our God is able to save us, but even if he does not, we still won't bow. I love that story because it says, you know what? I have faith, but I also believe in God so much that even if he wants me to die, it's still worth standing up for him. You know, that's the lesson I take away from that. But having to live it is absolutely the worst. I remember laying there in bed, staring at the wall in absolute agony, wondering if this is the way it was going to be for the rest of my life. This was before my doctor had told me everybody gets better. And I remembered the verse that says, you know, even though he slay me. You know, we are taught in church that God is going to make your life better if you're a Christian. and And to a certain extent, that is true. It's very true. God does work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He, he But the thing is, we're not here, uh, or he's not here for us. We're here for him. He's not here to serve us. We're here to serve him. He's sent his son to die on the cross for us. He has done everything that he needs to do. Anything we get above burning in hell is a privilege. We're here to serve him now. We're here to give our lives to him. And when you read a Bible verse like that, when you're in the dark places, you realize the truth of those kind of statements is that sometimes God does not answer your prayers the way you want him to. You know, we hear it preached. I used to preach in children's church. God answers prayer every time. He always does. He either says yes, no, or not now. And we always kind of focus on the yeses and we focus on the not nows. Sometimes God says, no, you're going to have to go through this. No. My faith is sufficient for you. No, I can't do anything right now or not that he can't, but he's not going to. And how do you serve a God that would look down at your estate and say, no, that's a hard one because it was in God's best interest to keep me going. Right. I was a pastor. I was at the top of my game. I was doing great stuff. I was amazing. I say that tongue in cheek, of course. Um, But I expected that last minute salvation, that check in the mail, that that miracle at the at the midnight hour. And it didn't come. It didn't change. It didn't happen. No lights came on. I lost my job or I quit it, lost it, whatever. And life got worse and worse and worse before it got better and better and better. But listen, first of all, everybody does get better. I didn't know that. And I had to face God in the face and say, you know what? Even if you want to kill me, you sent your son to die for me. You've done everything that you need to do. And I wasn't real spiritual about it. I'll be honest. If spiritual means being nice and kind and floaty around you on cloudsies, it wasn't like that for me. It was more like out of desperation, out of like, I have no other options. Because God's ways are best, but they're not just best. They're really the only way. The only way to survive this life and get into the afterlife properly is to follow his ways. And you can do that willingly or you can do it begrudgingly. And I've been more of the begrudgingly kind of guy because I know it's true and I know it's real, but it's hard and it's not easy and it's not fun. Especially when it's depression. But I remember thinking, even if he wants me to live this way the rest of my life, I owe him. I don't know how I'll ever love him, but I will obey him and I will do what he wants me to do. And I still haven't figured all that out yet. I kind of gave in eventually and just said, you know, I can't hold this against you anymore. And I just kind of released him and let him off the hook. How, how gracious of me, right? Because he is the only way. And I've always said, I've always kind of thought, you know, if God decided to be bad, who would stop him? Nobody. We are so blessed that we have a good God. But he he's not good the way we understand goodness. He's good the way God is good. And looking back at my depression now, I see all kinds of good things that came out of it. And that's the message, I guess, that I want to leave you guys with. Is if you hang in there, and you suffer and you hurt, but you live, you will live to see great things come of it. It's going to be a long and painful road. There's no, there's no getting around it. There's no 10 step process. That's why I say, don't, don't buy a bunch of books because everybody's either trying to over spiritualize it or over medicate it. And it's, it's somewhere between a little closer to medication <laughs> and and a little further away from spiritual, unless you have the other kind of depression, which is what we're not talking about here. We're not talking about situational depression, like after a baby or you lost your job or your life sucks. We're talking about when everything's fine, general sense of doom turns into not sleeping at night, turns into dark feelings and thoughts, turns into anxiety and pain. Turns into depth of despair and desire for self-destruction. That's what we're talking about. But good will come out of it if you still do things God's way. And the bare minimum is to stay faithful and stay alive. And I think those are actually the same thing. How, control, how in control of our lives are we anyway? Really. We make some decisions, but I realized in my struggles that my relationship with God isn't really hardly at all based on me. I don't bring a lot to the table. My hand's not that big. My grip wasn't that strong anyway. I don't have a lot to give. All my righteousness is what? Filthy rags? God is is like all of it. I would love to say 99.999, um, like in the commercial where the soap suds clear away all the germs, but that one little giggly went over the side. That's me. That's what I bring. I'm the one little giggly germ that God's goodness didn't just devastate and kill right off the bat because of the blood of Jesus, I suppose. Good will come of it. That's the promise I can make to you. Let me give you some examples for my life. I believe that, um, I was not as, I think I'm in a better place spiritually than I was then, even though I feel like I was closer to God then than I am now. Does that make sense? No, but I feel like I understand things more. That's kind of what I was going on there for a minute before I lost my train of thought about how little I bring to the table and how much God does. I, I understand that though we are to pursue God, our pursuit is joke. He pursues us. He has pursued us. He, his spirit is with us. He, he's done everything. And, and we don't really have to do much other than obey. We've put so much emphasis on things that don't matter. And I think true spirituality, I think getting your prayers answered and all the other things that everybody writes books about to try to help you to do is all summarized in obedience. Still obeying God, being willing to do what he wants you to do. Waiting around long enough to find out if it's for real, before you just jump in there and go to Canada because God told you to be a missionary to, to Moose Tracks or something. But good things come. And I told you I'd give you some examples. I have a better, closer relationship with my wife than ever before. I have kids who are stronger and more worldly, meaning they have been exposed to things just enough to become inoculated to them. They know what suffering is. And so they appreciate things so much more in their life. I got to raise my kids, my wife got to do half of it, I got to do the last half, I got to move to St. Louis and be here for my best friend in the whole world, David Godbout. I got to get out of a very shallow church experience that I believed was hand in hand with my relationship with God, meaning that I thought my relationship with God was church. And it's not. My relationship with God is God's relationship, God's love for me, and me responding to it. Church is where I go to celebrate that, not to experience it, but to share it with fellow believers. So I think I have a better head on my shoulders. I definitely have. I'm a resource for people that are suffering. Because I've been there and I survived it. Um, and my story's not over yet. So I may not have that many great things. But just being alive and not suffering anymore is enough for me. I'm just going to say this, that I have no regrets. Everything that has happened to me as bad as it was and as horrible as it was got me where I'm at. And though I'm not happy with myself, I'm happy where I'm at. So J and C, my prayers go out to you. I pray that God will let this cup pass you by. But even if he does not I pray that you will not bow. Pray that you will outlive this. And everyone like you that's going through will stay alive. And I pray that this has been some help to someone out there today. So what I want you to do right now is reach into your pocket, pull out your biggest bill. I want you to write. (laughs) I want you to put it back in your pocket. (laughs) Uh, No, I just figured that'd be a great time for an offering call instead of an altar call. See, I'm not a theologian and I'm not even a real pastor anymore, really. I'm just a guy who's been through some crap and I'm willing to be open and honest about it. That's why I want you to share this stuff with the people that you can trust in your life. Don't be ashamed. If you had a broken leg, you would not hide it. If you had heart disease, you would not hide it. If you needed medication for, uh, 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 I don't know, for blood sugar or whatever. You would not hide it. You would not avoid the cure for it. You would not let people guilt you into fixing it or, or not fixing it and ignoring the problem. Use logic. Use your sense that God gave you. And only then, after that, <laughs> let, no, I don't want to say that. It's just, I went through all the phases too. I tried to do it naturally with, you know, vitamins and minerals and St. John's wort and all that stuff didn't work. I tried looking for hidden sin in my life and, uh, repenting and getting rid of all this because you feel like if you're, if something happened into you, it must be that you and God aren't good. That's not the way that works as much as we think it does. And there was no hidden sin that w- that was going to be found out, that was going to be forgiven, and then my problems were going to go away. Oh, that was hidden sin. All sin is hidden, unless you're fat. <laughs> then, then everybody knows. It's the skinny people you got to worry about. They're hiding something. And um, and then yeah, tried to not go to the doctor, try not to take medicine tried not to get counseling, tried, tried, tried not to be sick. And the best thing to do is just dive right in, be proactive, communicate, share, do the opposite of everything you want to do and you'll be fine. (laughs) There you go. There's a summary for you. I hope this has been a blessing to someone and a help to someone. If you have any questions about anything that we've discussed or, um, just, you know, you want to just be hateful. I, I never get hateful emails. A lot of podcasters do. Um, I always expect some because there are people that believe that the opposite about depression that I do, but you know what? I lived. And, uh, if your way worked for you, great. Get a podcast, start talking about it. But, um, I believe medication helps because if it didn't help, you know, uh, people say it's a spiritual issue and I don't agree. I think depression can be, you know, or, you know, if you're, if you're being bad, but that's situational, it's not chemical. But my wife has a very simple retort to that idea. Like if it's spiritual, why does medication help it? And I would love to be off medicine. But until God heals me, I'm going to take it. That's the same as a diabetic would do. Someone with heart disease or any other medical issue. And they would say it with no shame. So get the help. Do the opposite of what you want to do. And you'll be fine. (laughs) All right, the website is uh, GOKCast.com, uh, NLCast.com if you want more shows like this one, like that story show uh, where we tell funny life stories, invite you to do the same. You can support the show on Patreon if you want. I think thank our current supporters, you guys, um, it, it it's like I would podcast anyway. But it's like icing on top of the cupcake and then a little cherry on top of that that you guys support financially. Absolutely not necessary. And I don't deserve it. But it's awesome. I appreciate it. If you want to help with that, you can find more information at uh at Patreon. Just look up Gospel Kennison. Um you can call me if you want. 2095 NL Cast. 2095 NL Cast is our voicemail. You can email me directly at james at um, You can hit me up on uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But uh, email is probably the best. So I, I I respond. Sometimes it takes me two years. But no, I've been real good about it lately. I don't know that I've provided any answers here. Like I said, I'm not a guru, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a, a saint, I'm not a theologian, but um, hopefully my experience will help you, and it therefore will make me having to go through what I did a little more worth it. Uh, we'll see you guys next time right here on the Gospel of Kenison. Peace.